I'm Adam Pendlebury. I'm Pete Reese. I'm Charlie Keegan. I'm Barry Worthington. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. feel too bad coming off I mean we're claiming the window aren't we even though it was a draw it feels quite good actually probably last night we're buzzing at the end because everybody were going home happy going about the the winning draws and all that kind of stuff it's now feels a bit like rugby union doesn't it where you get a bonus point if you win by more than a certain amount of points um, I, I suppose it makes makes it a bit more interesting to the fans, doesn't it? Especially if it was a nil-nil. I did say that it was going to be a draw and penalties, even though Barry didn't put that on the prediction on Twitter. He just said 1-1 and didn't put in brackets Wigan to win on penalties. Well, if you know why social media works, you're only allowed a certain number of characters and we were well over. It was impossible well, to Well, we've, we've definitely got some characters on this podcast. We like to think so. <laughs> I was surprised how I felt at the end of the match as though, yeah, so a real burden had been lifted. I felt, I felt like we'd, we'd, we'd won the title or something. And it's, it's a win, it was great to win on penalties in the, the second match of the EFL Trophy. But it, it, it shows the the direction we've been going in recently. That, that felt like I don't know. I yeah. I personally feel as though we perhaps turned a corner. And um... I think it's you could see that even when Tom Pace scored. I don't know if anybody picked it up, but it's on the inside match day that you can see. But Tom Pace looked like he was about to cry when he scored that goal. He was just he looked as relieved as Callum Lang did when he got the the goal in the last game. And you you look at how. Josh Stones was running around at the end of the game, handshaking everybody and, and Sam Tickle when he saved the penalty, how much it meant to him. And I don't think it was just a, a second game in an EFL trophy for these. I think it was a huge one that hopefully will now set them on the right path because, you know, obviously we've been struggling a lot in the league and we've got a mini break now. I thought we'd been undone with mm-hmm. another poor decision as well because 93rd minute corner, which was a dead ball all day long, but they got the corner and, you know, you just could feel what was going to happen and they scored off it. But it made it a little bit more dramatic, especially when we missed uh, like two of the first three penalties as well and then came back. Did you mean a drop ball or a dead ball? Come off the attacking player, that. The attacking player kicked it out. Oh, you mean it was? You mean it should have been a goal kick for us? Should have been a goal kick, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game last night, 49% possession with 16 attempts, of which nine were on target. Flute were at 18 mm. with 13 on target. Corners four, but last six, five for Fleetwood. Fouls, we committed nine. They committed 14. Three yellows apiece. Claire Watson, Humphreys for Wigan Athletic. And a sort of healthy 1,600 on with 124 away fans. They don't usually bring that many at league, do they, Fleetwood? So I thought that was a good turnout <laughs> from them. But that first half, we were quite woeful. As bad as or, or possibly worse than anything we've seen this season, it was utterly dreadful. There was no, there was, there was no running. There was no attempt to close the players down. The press was absolutely woeful. There was, there was no energy. It was, it was, it, there was no determination. There was no drive. It was, it was utterly dreadful. And such a, such a contrast to the, to the second half, which I'm, yeah. which I'm glad we. I, th- I think I think what's interesting is I think Sean Maloney's got a, like almost like a perfect case study to to show the players. Now, wasn't he? That this is how I don't want you to play, and this is how I do want you to play within the same match. Because there, there was there was such a contrast in the second half. We came out 
the players were hairing all over the pitch, chasing every ball down off the, off the ball. And when we got the ball, there was an immediate attempt to, to get forward with it. There was running with the ball, running off the ball. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a joy to see in the second half. Normally, our inconsistency is across games. You know, we put in games where everything seems to be going well. Uh, and then we throw in a Blackpool or we throw in a Bristol Rovers um, and we're back to square one. But in this this case, it was within the same game. I mean, that first half was absolutely terrible. It, it, you can't even call it a pre-season performance because usually in pre-season, the players are all working hard to get into the first squad. I just don't know what had happened to them in that first half. It was so easy for Fleetwood. It should have been over at half-time. Yeah. If we'd have been 5-0 final down at half-time, it wouldn't have been an injustice. Um, and then, yeah, like Pete said, a few switches, changes in personnel, a little bit of luck. I think you've got to add to it as well. You know, Fleetwood missed a couple of good chances, uh, but their general player was a lot better. Um it was pleasing on the eye as well. It wasn't just battling it. it, it there was some quality there in the second half. And uh, I think in the end, we probably deserved to win. Um, and it was a bit unlucky that the uh, we got a bad decision for the uh, equaliser and stoppage time. I do think there were still some bright sparks in that first half, but for the how bad the performance was. Because I think you could see just how much Jordan Jones was trying to get the ball down the left. You could also see Stephen Humphreys was trying to pick the ball up and charge forward as much as he could and get that ball in the box. We had the close chance where Jones swung it across to the far post, but Humphreys just couldn't really get on the end of it. And then you saw how Fleetwood were forced into a change pretty much because their right back Rooney was fouling Jordan Jones a couple of times, had picked up a book in, was yelling at the referee, and you could see that a red card was probably going to come. So we were forcing them into a little bit of bother, but you also had... Fleetwood hit in the post, was it twice early on? They had the long-range effort yeah. and then the rebound hit the boat, hit the post. We didn't really react to that very well. And then, obviously, their goal, I think it was definitely coming, the, the first one, which with a Shimanga, Ben Amos trying to keep it out as much as he could. But my real worry in the first goal was, I don't know if you know, it was Charlie Hughes going down. Cal Watts jumped into him and, and Hughes went straight down on the ground, but he looked really shook after that Hughes. And I don't know if he was still carrying that until halftime. It was interesting with uh, Amos, wasn't it, that um, essentially he made that good save, didn't he, that tipped it over the bar. Then he made a decent save, I think, where we didn't follow in for the first goal. And I think you've got to say the second goal was a mistake for Amos. I think he was at fault for both goals, to be fair. I thought the first was a decent save, to be honest, because of where he was. He just... Obviously, a world-class keeper tips that round the post, but I don't think we expect to have a world-class keeper at this level. And I don't think you can say it was a massive error, but the second one. But as well as Amos, we've got to look at the following in. You know, they were on the toes following in. Yeah. We were we were static. We that, absolutely that were. All of the game. Even though Charlie said we did have a, a few moments off the ball, we were at probably the worst I've seen, certainly under Sean Maloney. Probably going back to the Torre days, it's the worst we've been off the ball in terms of uh, the gaps that we left in midfield, uh, in terms of uh, the, 
the defence not reacting to things. Um, yeah, it was it was so poor in the first half. I said to Barry yesterday, I bet you thought, well, why did I pay my ten pounds for this? But then, as football can do to you, changes round in the second half, and it was probably one of the best halves. Definitely, like you were saying, though, it, it was awful. But we came out in that second half, and the old dynamic of, of, of the team had changed. Whatever was done at half-time, with Maloney speaking to the players and, and Graham Barra as well, and then little subtle changes that, that were made. And I think we overloaded on the left because a lot of our attacks in that second period went down our left-hand side. Pierce, especially, was putting some, some great balls in. But the energy with it, and I agree with Adam, we could have we could have found ourselves further behind because they missed they missed a, an absolute sitter early doors in the first half, which would have put it 3-0 and it would have been good night Vienna. But we were a different team. And all that slow build-up and the slow passing across the back and into midfield and misplaced passes had disappeared and people were actually on the toes. Now, whether that was, for me, down to one man or not, I'm not too sure, but I'll tell you what, Josh Stone's made some impact when he came on. His goal, absolutely sensational. But before we get to that, I'd like us to talk about Stevie Humphreys. I thought he was dynamic last night. And on 55 minutes... He, he cut him from the left, and he it's a Sally Wanger. He did, he did one previously. I know Adam wanted to mention that because of the commentary, but he hit one previously, which ended up in the dugout. Stayed on the pitch, just didn't it? Um, but when it doesn't even hit the corner flag, then um, <laughs> all the viewers uh, will know that there's a direct comparison to Bobby Campbell's penalty at Wembley in 1988. You know the yeah, similarity to that. He redeemed himself. Just moments later, with an absolute tremendous goal, and that really did ignite that spark again in that in the team. And I thought his 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 movement in midfield and his ball that sent stones through the middle absolutely exquisite. I th- I thought it was um, you know you get these the occasional games where you you've got a key player who drags the whole team forward and, and and drags them to victory almost you know um remember david beckham or whatever with england in um for the world cup qualifier in that was it 2002 well, 2001 yeah the qualifiers in 2001 yeah. yeah um and and i felt a bit like that with uh steve humphreys last last night um uh, yeah i think using your word barry i think that di- dynamic um, he was the only. I think he was the only one all match really who um, consistently had energy, drive, determination, desire to to get forward and and try and get behind the defence and try and uh, mount attacks. Um, I've no idea what his uh, colleagues were doing uh, certainly in the first half, but um, they, they responded in the second half. And I think Josh Stones, I thought, I, I thought was like almost like the perfect foil for him. Uh, and it's quite interesting that in, in uh, Humphrey's uh, interview after the match, he mentioned Josh Stones. He's, he's, he's one of his best mates, and I thought, do you know what that that that's really interesting? It reminds me of um, Ellington and Roberts, how how they were great friends off the pitch as well, because they really really seem to have an understanding there. Um, and I hope uh, that's something that as a team we can we can perhaps build on. Yeah, I was just thinking. That, I was just thinking that as you going through Humphrey's play, that you know in the second half uh, he was all over the place, wasn't he? You couldn't really say what his position was, so he was kind of almost in a free role. 
And the actual goal, uh, to an extent, reminded me of that goal at Doncaster when Nick Powell played uh, Will Griggin. Uh, great pass, mm-hmm. but also an absolutely fantastic finish as well. Or to an extent, even this season, the was it a decoy pass to Charlie White? That's right. You know, to bring, it, bring it more up today, and we've been really struggling with that attacking midfield position. Um, when we talk about the season so far, I was struggling with that position. Maybe maybe Humphries is a man who could could play that attacking midfield position because he's obviously got vision, he's got energy and he can score a goal, which the other two who've played in that position this season haven't really done. Callum Lang and Asgard have they really, so it's, it's another mean option. number 10 again. position? Yeah, kind of number 10 or attacking midfield, mm. depending on what formation mm. we, we actually play because... I think last night he, he wasn't restricted to being on the right hand side. He, he was entitled in that second half to play anywhere. And sometimes, like Barry said, he drifted over to the left, and that's where we overran them on many occasions. So I think I think last night showed that we do have even more options than we first thought. Um, so I think I think we've got to take positives from that. We were still playing. Uh, against quite a lot of good professionals last night, even though you know the Fleetwood manager was saying they were played against a, a team with a huge wage bill and championship players, which is just incorrect. It's a it's a young team made up of academy players essentially. They probably had more experience. I bet they had more appearances on the pitch than us. So. Um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant in the second half. Really, really enjoyed it. Couldn't, couldn't take my eyes off it. I think this is where we're starting to see Stephen Humphreys might be way more dynamic than just playing out on that right wing. You know, we've seen him chop and change with Marshall Godo in a couple of games and he's he's bringing something on both sides, but through the middle as well. He played that at Hearts quite a lot. He's definitely able to score goals and set things up from the middle. So it's going to be interesting going forward just to see how he moves around that front line and, and where his sort of starting position will be in games. Two apiece then, right? Seven minutes, we get a free kick. Piece steps up, does the keeper at the near post, and we're thinking that's it, we're in the next round. And then, like I said, we they got that dodgy goal. And then we went to penalties. The pen scored. Chris C, Claire, Stones and Hughes with Lange and Pierce having those saved by the keeper. I thought he, he made two good saves, the keeper for that. And then uh, Sam Tittle saved one and the other two others went over the bar. Puts us through to the next round. It just depends now if we're going to finish top or second in the group to get an home tie in the next round. Man of the match is voted for by the listeners on both Facebook and Twitter. Stevie Humphries. Could it have been anyone else? Well, there's one or two. Was, really it, uni- was it unanimous, Barry? Was it unanimous? It, it wasn't unanimous. Josh Jones got a few votes. Jordan Jones as well. So well, Probably could, the biggest, uh, biggest win of the season for a player, we could say. There we go. So we're looking forward to a little bit of run in this competition. While we've no game this weekend, we thought we might do a early season review. We've played 11 games with four wins, one draw, six defeats. In those games, no more than one goal deciding eight of them. There's only three been decided by more than one goal. That was our win against Bolton, Barnsley defeat, which the second goal was scored in the 97th minute, and Bristol Rovers, where it was absolutely atrocious. All in all, we've had close encounters Goal scorers, the top three, Charlie White, Stevie Humphreys, 
and Charlie Hughes. They're on 6-3-2, respectively. We'll look at the table. We find ourselves next to the bottom. So far this season, in League One, in the league games, we have used 23 players. 23 players. So that, for me, is uh, is quite a lot. I remember the times you'd only used 15 in a season. Never mind 23 in 11 games. Times have changed. Our highest-rated player across all the stat platforms is Tom Pierce with three assists. And there's been a lot of chatter around formations. I know Adam wanted to mention something about that. Yeah, there's been um, a few different formations this season. Um, at the start, I think we look at the start of the games first. Um, there's the what I class as the four-three-three, but uh, what I think Barry likes to call it the four-three-two-one because the two of the wide players get back a little bit more. Um, and then we've had the wing backs formation as well. Um, I think we tried that for the first time this season at Wrexham when I didn't think it worked. I'm still not convinced for me that that's the right formation for our team at the moment. And then we've had some absolutely bizarre uh, in match changes uh, where there was a game uh, this season, I think, where at one point I think we had one defender on the pitch. I think that was, might have been against Cambridge, I think, or Northampton maybe, where we had one defender, Charlie Hughes, was the only defender on the pitch for a small period of time. Um, so it's been a bit mixed and match. So if you t- try to pick a, an 11 out of those, was it 20, 23, did you say, Barry? 23 players. It's not easy. I don't know if Sean Maloney could pick his 11, but I'll just put mine out there quickly. Uh, Sam Tickle. I'm going to play four at the back. Uh, Morrison and Hughes. Right back, Claire. Left back, Pierce. Left wing, Gordo. Um, well, left, left. I'm playing four three three, so it's left sided forward, Gordo. Right sided forward, Humphreys, Charlie White, and then it would be uh, in the midfield, Matt Smith and Adiko. And one, I need one other donor. That was the one that I couldn't before. I don't know who's supporting that position. As a, I keep it. We've not played it as a. A defensive position, have we? You know, in, in the sense that we could. I'm going to just stick Callum Lang in because he's been better than Asgard. When people talk about formations to me, I, I, I think in the way fans talk about it in, in general, I think they get too bogged down with formations or we're playing, you know, we should be playing 4 4 2 or we should be playing 3 5 2 or 3 5 1 1 or 1 2 7 4 Christmas, or whatever. Or the Christmas, Christmas tree. Or the Christmas tree. But but for me, it's it's what you do in those formations that counts and, and how you apply yourself. And I think when we watch Sean Maloney's team now, it's, it's a little bit akin to watching Roberto Martinez, as I've said many times, that during games, these formations are very fluid and they change. And you'd like, I mean, we Adam spoke last night about where Stephen Humphries was playing and we didn't know because, and you mentioned it again tonight, because he's all over the place. And I think there's a lot of fluidity. And if you, I catch my mind back to that, that friendly against Everton with Harry McHugh playing right back, supposedly, but he was over on the left wing at one point, you know. And as long as people know where to cover and what, you know, and they're well drilled in it, I, I'm happy with whatever we play. 
I'm happy. I wouldn't like to pick a team, if I'm being honest, because... I think it's too difficult because, I mean, you've left Sessin Young out there. Does he deserve it? Well, isn't it on the first 11 games? Yeah, I know. Pierce yeah. has been our best player for me on yeah. the left-hand side and also statistically he's our best player for the entire team, isn't he? Yeah. But I, don't like, yeah. I don't like stats. Yeah, I think it's so hard to pick a, a side at the minute because we say Marshall Godo. I think Jordan Jones last night has shown just how good it can be. He's, I think he's made more key passes and... And his time, he's only played three games. I think he's made more key passes than most of our attacking lineup. So it's very difficult to choose. But Josh Stones chased back down last night and chased the ball all the way down and cleared it out. So there's players that will come a lot better from these games onwards. So I'm excited to see that, but I can't choose one right now. I just want Matt Smith to get back because I think we've missed him immensely. He's like the... Yeah, the I, I, I we'll not be back on Sunday because there's no game to look forward to. So we'll be back on Wednesday. Until then, up the six. Come on. Up the Wembley ticks. Wembley ticks. From the ashes, this is what we do. We are little wigging, little wigging through and through. Oh, Sean Maloney, you were one of a kind. Thank you for believing in our darkest times. We'll follow you to glory. We love you all to death. Singing, oh, Sean Maloney's mighty ticks are the best. Oh, I still believe. Oh, I still believe Oh, I still believe Still believe